When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. The following series is outlandish, unapologetic, and uncut. Listener discretion is advised, but not enforced. Yep, we got us a big show happening tonight. You know the thing is, I've been trying to get you on this show for a while, and now here we finally are. I mean, we made a lot of appearances on the power play and all that kind of stuff, but this is the time yeah. where you and I, yep, we're definitely going to be teaming up on, God, this is not the first podcast we teamed up on, but this is the official no. Hangouts episode. Yes, sir. So let me go on ahead and without further ado, because some people really, really don't believe I'm back right now myself, but I totally am. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a myth. You're like a living legend. Yeah, it's wild, ain't it? Anyway, look, here we go. All right, let's go ahead and kick it up then. Fire up the Hangouts intro. Here we go. Okay, fine. We'll team up. I'm J-Man, and this is J360 Hangout here on J360 Radio. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Yes, yes, yes. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? No, your ears do not deceive you. As a matter of fact, your eyes don't deceive you either, though. A lot of us are going senile. I am J.M. Brady, a.k.a. J-Man, and I'm totally back. And welcome to J360 Hangouts number 12. And this time, teaming up with a dear good friend of mine. You know him as Washed Ink, but he's also a... God, he's a dominant force in everything, just about. He's also the owner of Awful Productions. Not spelled that way, but just as awesome. Twice as awesome, that is. Er, ladies and gentlemen, Marco Flores Jr. What's up, man? Hello, what's going on, Jay? How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good, my man. Doing pretty good. It's just an honor to be back and also an honor to team up with you again, sir. Yeah, I'm honored to be like your guest back. Uh... I'm not, I, this isn't the first time your audience might have heard my voice on your stuff, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm honored, honestly. Hey, especially after we kicked a lot of ass in Metro City and, um, God, Halo, I mean, like, the whole Power yeah. Showdown series alone was just, like, freaking awesome. Yeah, 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 I'm, uh, I got, like, a smile on my face, yeah, <laughs> I, I loved it, very wild, very fun, very uh, cathartic. You times. know it. <laughs> Especially like when you get that winning round, man. It's, it's kind of like that when I'm playing uh, Street Fighter against you in Space Force. That is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because like I'm I'm absolute trash. I have literally until we played Street Fighter together. Had I not played Street Fighter in probably about five years, so <laughs> yeah, that was it. Was still fun though. I mean, I don't care. I I figured if I suck at the game, I'll be entertaining technically. You know, hey. so. Ain't nothing wrong with it, man. Like I always say, you know, come <laughs> for the competitions, but stay for the lulls. <laughs> yeah, stay for the conversation for sure, for sure. Oh man, and I'm telling you, like we get some good ones in. And that matter That's of true. fact, like 
Shoot, like when we start up this other secret project that's taking place here on Discord, by the way. For those of you that have not been hanging out on the Discord and stuff, you're about to miss on something, but we will tell you oh, later man. in the show what that is because oh, I'm something really, really great. And I got my yeah. friend Marco here to help out along with a bunch of people from the Jam Fam. So, yeah, you might want to stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I know. I know. I'm excited. Hey, speaking of which, Marco, I'm uh, mean to tell yes, you, uh, you've heard me mentioning about the Power Play series, like what the uh, a mini event for it. Yes. Oh, it's been greenlit, pal. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Well, ne- next um, month, uh, first two weeks, days of the Power Play. Let's do it, uh, yeah. dude. That's awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Okay, so anyone listening, before we get into the nitty gritty of this. You have to absolutely commend Jay is like a workhorse. Like it's not like I like my fractionary content, you know, outside of like the business that I do and other stuff I consult and like develop on. But like you legitimately are like pumping out. You did a whole month of like anniversary episodes, which is like insane. Yeah. On top of regular podcasts. So like I, you know, also why I'm honored to be here is like I, I, I respect your complete grind on it. So, I mean, and you know that I've told you that for a year at the least at this point, you know? I appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Like, you know, sometimes you get so stuck in your tunnel and stuff like that as you just grind and put stuff together, you know, you, Mm -hmm. you never know how it affects other people and you hope it affects people in a good way and it inspires people to keep going. Like, you know, it's, it's it's very humbling to hear that a lot of this stuff has like positive responses and, you know, I'm going to keep going for you guys all the time. It's just like that sabbatical while well, was okay, but my place is being here making content for you guys. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the steps away help you sharpen, they help you kind of sharpen your weaponry, if that makes any sense. You know, I think they let you take a step back and kind of go, okay, um, what what am I really going at here? You know, like, or like, oh, I could have tightened this up better, or maybe if I, you know, zero in on this bit of content a little more or switch it up or, you know, I just think those breaks are necessary. I think if you don't, that's the hardest thing about being a musician, I think, is like this, the points where you get, you know, you see like a lot of those memes if you're a musician on Instagram, <clears throat> that'll be like, oh, it's me mixing my track and enjoying it at four in the morning. Then you wake up at like noon the next day and then. It sounds like a bunch of accordions farting into a microphone, you know? And you're just like, what did I do? Like, what did I, how? And like, you can't go back, you know? So you got to literally start from scratch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, damn, you know? So I get it. I think those steps away are necessary. I've had to, I've had to train myself to like go, okay, this is it for today. Like I have to step back because I'm, I'm about to go over a, a cliff edge that I'm not going to come back from if I start altering every single thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I get it. I get it. And yeah, man, like that that kind of mentality is tough. I remember like uh, a long time ago, people couldn't really tell me too much anything. I had to learn that myself. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Especially starting yeah. off as a video editor, I was like thinking my work was like, you know, fine wine. And I had to really, really take a couple of step back and like take a real, like, relearn everything. Yeah, there's that that saying, what is it, kill your darlings? You have to kind of know when, you have to know when it's enough. You know, my problem, my biggest problem, honestly, is I will work on a mix until I think it's perfect. But the trick, the ultimate ruse is that it'll never be perfect as a creative. 
You know, and I think one thing one thing I do is I love like meme compilations and like cringy TikTok compilations because what it shows me is that like sometimes not perfect editing is perfect editing, right? Like when it even comes to video content, like sometimes super dry presentation is better than ultra snazzy, you know, ultra flashy presentations. You know, and I think that's one thing too is like, um, yeah, uh, so I get it. I think that's one thing that's interesting. Very interesting. But I get, I totally get that about the video editing thing. Is like you, that is one of those moments where you sit there and go, kind of go, like, do I even need this part? <laughs> like, I know I <laughs> yeah. love this part, but do I really need this part? You know, yeah. and that takes a lot of a lot of training as an artist to kind of go, like, ah, just cut that out. Yeah, you know? cutting room floor, man. I mean, ain't gonna hurt nobody. Yeah, hey, let's, let's just throw yeah. it out. Here you go. <laughs> and that's, the saddest thing is, like, when you show people, they'll never know. Like, oh, they'll yes. never know that that wasn't in there. You know what I mean? Mm. And. It's I, I, the same way I take to like a writing approach. I think even like with uh, lyrically and I think script wise was always like I had to learn as an editor to write scripts as an editor. You know, mm. like I would I would write out the long form narrative. I even kind of do that with songs sometimes, even like with the musical structure where I kind of go like, well, where am I trying to get to or what is the point here? And then uh, there's an old like hip hop saying, which is like, say less. You know, like, so, like, less is more. If you can make more of an impact with kind of double entendre phrasing and, and you know, it's also a script kind of concept because you never want to overword a character. Like, mm-hmm. very rarely can you get away with, like, and Quentin Tarantino does this where, like, case in point is, like, the beginning of Inglorious Bastards, right? When, like, what's-his-name is in the house and those people, like, are under the floorboards. Oh, and yeah. to present the dramatic irony and the tension you can make that person ramble because it's supposed to be like that. You know, and he only does it in like two scenes. It's like that scene and when they're in the bar, when they shoot up those Nazis, I think, or something like that, right? Because mm. some of them are like are undercover or something like that. And then those are the only two times you can get away with it. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, okay, this is on purpose. But like if I did this, one thing I saw in film school specifically is people fell in love with their scripts too much. And they didn't know when to just go, like, I think that's enough. You know, mm-hmm. like, you're hitting somebody over the head with symbolism, or you're hitting somebody over the head with simplicity, which is also, like, almost insulting. You know? <laughs> Did they so, let you read those scripts? Because, you know, some people you know fall too in love, and they don't let you read them. It's like, what the hell You know what's doing? funny? Is I ended up being, so Linda Calgill was one of my professors, and she was a writer for, like, Law and Order from when the show started and she loved uh, me and my friend's script writing so much that she let us go to union meetings and also let her, she let us join her on overseeing like thesis script screening sessions with students. Oh, cool. And, uh, but it was, it was kind of messed up because um, (laughs) here I am as another student, you know, but like I have to tell another student that their script is terrible and you're telling them that in front of like 50 other people reading the script. Uh, well, you know. Yeah. That's, but that's just the way the critique it, goes, it, man. It's it's also the industry though too, dude. Like, you know, and, and that it it's also supposed to teach you to have thick skin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of just what it is. Like, you know, you either uh, you know, you can trim it down or not. You can kind of overly fall in love with it. And it's not something that they had to do. 
you know, but I think that's even more like my background as a musician helped out because when you're working with the band and you're like grinding a track out, I think especially as a drummer, starting out as a drummer, I kind of realized like, what am I overdoing and what am I not needing to do at all? Mm. You know, like maybe this, maybe this track just needs like a simple four, four, you know, like four to the floor bass every, you know, every metronome click, like, or not, you know, maybe I can jazz it up here and there, but not. And that's my problem too. Not my problem, but I actually started out getting trained in traditional jazz percussion. And, um, I think that helped me figure, I use, I applied that to almost everything after that. Like you learn everything, you learn every single technique at its hardest, most complicated part. But at the same time, it's not up to you to use them all the time because right. then you're going to look like, a, you know, you're going to be obnoxious. You know, you have, you're there to back up everybody else, like the guitarist, um, you know, the singer, a bassist. And it's the same with the script. Like, yeah, I'm writing the script, but like you have to think about the flow of what is it? Where's the cut coming from? You know, I think that's where I fell in love with video editing very mm-hmm. early on as a, as a kid, because I thought to myself, like, you know, I mean, they don't do it anymore because DVDs aren't as popular, but like, Remember, like, deleted scenes? I remember as a kid, like, being fascinated with what they cut out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? And then kind of going, like, oh, I see why they cut that out, because it's kind of explained in, like, four words (laughs) in, like, a scene 20 minutes after that. Oh, yeah. You know, so so instead of being redundant and, like, you know, indulging in itself, it just kind of played it smart and very lean. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, all the time, man. Like, um, there are many times where, like, well, hey, we all know that the most form of arrogance is that director's cut, so. (laughs) And very, you know, and I think one of the craziest things, too, is even recently you see sometimes very rarely is the director's cut, like, the necessary cut. You know, because sometimes it's not, you know, to be honest, like, sometimes the director's cut's not, like, um, I don't know if you ever saw Leon the Professional. And I haven't seen it again until recently. And there's a lot of stuff in there like that bothers me about the subtext of that movie that I didn't uh, pick up on as a kid. I just thought it was like a cool gunfighting movie. I had no idea what was going on, you know. And then you saw then all like, the uh, everything, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, this thing is like uh, this. This thing is in love with itself, even yes, with it all is. the things with all the things that I don't agree with in here. And then I was like, okay, like, and this is the edited version. Mm. Like, you know, and then I look it up online and think like, what could have been different? Because like, there's stuff in this that I don't remember as a kid, you know? And I look it up and then people like, there's these like YouTube reviews and I'm just like, Jesus. It's like, how do I erase this from my voodoo movie library? Can I delete it? Like, I don't even want this anymore. You know, like. Guilty pleasure, bro. But I was, I like, I just watched it thinking like. I didn't realize all this subtext, you know, like I didn't realize all this other narrative and, and I get it. Also French filmmaker, yada, yada, yada. The latest debacle with the French filmmaker was cuties. We'll just leave it at that. All right. Yeah. But yeah. like, we're, we're not diving into that one. I saw that. Show. Yeah. I was like, nah, forget yeah. it. You know, the, but like different worlds, different countries, different norms, whatever. My biggest thing is just like, this thing was very indulgent with like, the subtextual concepts it had in its mind that I didn't realize uh-huh. as a kid, you know, but that was just the one thing. Like, Oh, I saw the one that was on TBS. 
I saw the one that was like edited on TV. I I didn't I never saw the one in the theater as a kid. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't know, you know, so Yeah. Yeah, that's one of them things where you know you uh you know you liked it so much at that time and you went ahead and you bought it for your home viewing and then all of a sudden oh shit. Kind of like Highlander 2. Yeah. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean like it's um it's like a it's like a Mortal Kombat situation, right? Where like you see the new one and then you look back at the original, like the original old one, and you think to yourself like the original old one is pretty good <laughs> like yes. in, in comparison you're like yeah the effects are eh but like you could have li- literally just remade the old one and it would have been perfect with like way better special effects dang like, man, we, lit- done, we done trashed that film how many times on our day? i mean we did one stream where didn't i even say like as a writer and in the, you know having been in meetings like that before like here's how you fix it no you just you you make what's his name, you know, the main character. You surprise everyone with making him blind Kenshi. He fights Goro, you know, because at some point isn't Goro's like thumbs over his eyes, so it looks like he's gonna like fuck, like smash his eyes in or something. Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, oh, maybe that's what that was. Maybe that whole his whole chi was like this sword being a part of him. You know, maybe his maybe he had to learn to fight with instinct. You know, not so much by sight X Y and Z. You know, the power of love in Interstellar. It's the interstellar story. The power of love compels you to go across the universe, you know? Yeah. And um, and then you realize, no, just kidding. Fuck it. He's just <laughs> he, he's just some, like, throwaway, like, Mortal Kombat gold character. Literally, I thought he was Cobra from, like, oh, one yeah. of those 3D Mortal Kombat movies or games or whatever. Dude, the guy wasn't even Taven from Mortal Kombat Armageddon. I know. I That's the problem. <laughs> I thought he was going to be, like, some bunk like weird super fourth rate character that would have just made me smile with them pulling from like the bad years of Mortal Kombat you know uh, um, but they didn't they played it like this full was like, like you were hoping he was going to be the next Scorpion in the next movie like no 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 thanks that, that whole thing was just hilarious <laughs> like I look <sighs> at it to this day and I'm like mm, yeah this is a lot of shit yeah but, that hey. was the one that was putting in the work was uh, definitely Sub Zero, though. Uh, if, we, if we're just being honest, and Kano you know, to a point. Kano, yeah, but and even like that first that first five minutes is perfect. Like oh, that yeah. first five minutes, it's too good for that movie. Like it doesn't belong, you know. This goes back to like our video editing concept and just like editing as a creative in whatever field you're in. Like that intro, you have to match that. Or do better at the end, uh-huh. and like, it, the, and if you watch it again, it just goes down. Like, there's not, there's no escalation of, of concept. It was just like, that's it. Deceleration that's just, is in motion. Yeah. Right, 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 right. How do we make sure that like thirteen year old kids can still still sneak into a theater and watch this? You know what and I mean? Even like, then, they snuck back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went. They snuck out to go on Twitter and then call the movie shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, wow, what a great success this was. We should yeah. never do this again. It just hit my mind as James Wan produced that. Yeah. Like, like Aquaman director James Wan. And I, it makes me very curious to know what happened there. You know, so, like, so. I think my little industry mind tries to figure out, like, what is what is all this? Like, you had all these, like, Oscar winners in the first five minutes, and then everyone just disappeared. 
Uh, I guess the union came in and decided to say, oh, none of this, none of this. We, of course, we play the game in our trailer, but none of this. Yeah, too expensive now. You know, like you gave everybody what they wanted in seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We're out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, well, forget them. We just need to make the money. We got the money in our pockets. Who and cares what, about second act? Who cares about the third? <laughs> that's what's so bad about it, though, is like the worst thing about it is they released it in theaters and on home video. Right, technically through streaming on HBO Max, but like mm-hmm. it wasn't even it wasn't even like a so bad it's a good watch. It was just like, what is this? Why am I watching this anymore? You it know? had no oomph to it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you watch the classic one, and it got you pumped. I mean, like even from like when the beginning song and all that kind of stuff, just that everything about it was just good. And then you had a tour to dude, like had, ah, it was. It I was. swear the the new the last. Two or three Mortal Kombat games take a lot of inspiration. I think, it, it, and this is me getting super nerdy with you on just like the entirety of audio, video, film, and presentation. As you you know? And uh, but like the the sound design from the old original Mortal Kombat movie is like it's fucking powerful. Like you hear the, his brother's spine bones crunching under Shang Tsung's foot, like. Even the, the like the ghoulish transition into his like throat as he's like swallowing his brother's soul, right? right? Like it's like loud and visceral. And I swear, all the new games took inspiration from that, which is probably why in the latest one, the Shang Tsung is the Shang Tsung from the movie. Damn right. You know what I'm saying? And to me, it was like, dude, you have you literally could have just ripped off the story from like Mortal Kombat Nine, mm. and it would have been perfect because it's the old tournament. It's Raiden, it's like Shang Tsung, it's Johnny Cage, it's like, and then even with Mortal Kombat 11, like, this, you could have ripped that story off too. Like, they could have. Huh? Like, they literally wrote you the movie in the game. All you had to go do is just, like, turn it into an hour and a half. That's it. Well, you know, it's like it. what I said on that Mortal Kombat episode I did on the J-Man show. I'm like, it's like they didn't even pay attention to the product that they own. Because Warner no. Brothers Games owns Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's like you're going to push the the movie based off the game, but you're not going to do anything with the game to help boost the mm-hmm. movie. It's what one the of those hell rare is that? Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's one of those rare instances where, like, they, they, the one company, Warner Brothers and Time Warner, owns every aspect of the license. And still managed to only use like four characters, the worst story possible, mm-hmm. and none of the none of the creative team from the actual games recently. Like, why didn't you just get the script writers from the recent game to write your script? How is this that hard to, to figure out? Maybe they just don't yeah. seem in the same fold, man, or maybe it's just arrogance. I I don't know. It's just it's weird to me because I mean, if it was something that I made and I had a chance for it to be a movie. I'd like to have some sort of, you know, influence on that. At least some consultation. You, you would think, right? I mean, you would think what you'd want is it's you would think it's Mortal it's Mortal Kombat on HBO Max, meaning it could have been unrated with how graphic it got. And they managed to not not even miss the landing, but like break both legs doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just like, and the whole world got to watch it. 
You know, yep. so you had all these actors talking about a sequel. Oh, sequel this, sequel that. And I'm thinking, I'm watching the first 15 minutes of this movie, dude, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm back in one of these meetings, the first thing I can hear in my mind is this executive going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. 15 minutes, you know, just throwing a fit. Just throwing a fit while, during the rest of the screening. Well, not only that, but they're push-rushing it, too. You know, yeah. like when they went in, they said, oh, it's greenlit. It's already ready to go. It's like... Really? Really? Yeah. So, this is another cash grab, isn't it? Well, they were like, what was it? Oh, Ryan Reynolds could play Johnny Cage. I'm like, dude, no one wants to be Johnny Cage in this universe at this point. Oh, you man. Know? When, when, like, when people start casting, like, like some of the fan casts are okay, but then you realize that some of them push a narrative. You know what I mean? And an agenda. Mm-hmm. Well, this is who I think it should be. This is And people get real arrogant with it, too. I'm like, yo, 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 yo. Slow the fuck down, okay? Nobody's asking you for this opinion. Relax. <laughs> I'm sure in your fictional fan film, it probably could work out. But at the same time, hell no. See, this is my problem with modern filmmaking, too. We use the same old people instead of, hey, let's bring in some other. Let's start farming for the future here. But, oh, no. Yeah, it's just crazy shit, man. Well, wasn't the joke for, like, every every movie in the world, like, everyone wanted Idris Elba to be every character ever for, like, the last four years? Right, we're like they wanted him to be James Bond. They wanted him to be fucking uh, Black Mana. They wanted him to be Batman. They wanted him to be like it's just like, dude. Yeah, there are other actors, you know, like you don't have. And then yeah, you're right. Everyone's fan casting is always Chris Pratt or Ryan Reynolds as the funny white guy action guy. Yeah, right. Or Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, and you saw the same thing happen with like Green Lantern. Remember that with like the whole like. No one knew who was Green Lantern and the Snyder Cut um, uh-huh. at the time be- before they swapped him with, like, Martian Manhunter. But, like, his thing was, like, and then Zack Snyder's thing was, like, dude, no, it's not. We, like, we've already seen that guy. We've already, you've already had that movie of that guy. Like, no. it's a, There's, like, uh, he's, like, there's how many other Green Lanterns, you know? There's, like, like at least five. Yeah, five off bat. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. five here that you could use. I mean, Guy you know, Gardner like, is definitely good for a movie hell he's a movie mm-hmm. all his own and dude john stewart is perfect oh, yeah. like the guy he got was per- like literally looked like a comic book come to life version of john stewart mm-hmm. and, and and let's go back to the studio concept of like the studio going oh you know i don't know you know but then these studios all these studios talk about inclusivity and minorities being leads and all this other stuff and it's like, well, then why not let Jon Stewart be Green Lantern in this? Like, who cares if it was Ryan Reynolds seven years ago? Yeah, you except know? for like, a whole bunch of people that need to make fun of it. I mean, he made fun of it in his own damn movie called Deadpool. Like, remember and, Deadpool? Yeah. Like, it's already been made fun of. We can move on from this. And the funny thing is, is on Twitter, Ryan Reynolds was, like, talking back and forth with Zack Snyder, I think, last I had seen, and then even mentioned like being completely down to play Hal Jordan for Zack Snyder. Yeah. Like, so he doesn't hate it that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's also it was like more or less bad writing and direction for that. If anything. Yeah. yeah. And here's, I mean, here's, here's, here's where studios intervene and it becomes like, you could have all the right pieces in play. Um, you know, way back when for that one Green Lantern movie, 
if I remember correctly, I think it was dude with the baseball cap who came in late but wrote the Green Lantern comic books. Why am I spacing on his name? Martin Campbell, the director for Quantum of Solace, like that, the newest of the new generation of, of like amazing James Bond movies, right? Like uh, his movie before before Quantum of Solace, I think is Green Lantern, which goes to show you like how did so how did you nail James Bond? But the Green Lantern movie was a mess, you know. And then you got and then everyone sings like, "Thank you, exactly." You know what I'm saying? Like the studio is probably like, "No, we got to sell toys. It's got to be comic book accurate. It's got to be light. It's got to be funny." It's got to be like Thor, because Thor just came out last year. And really? then you have... Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it did, but I was thinking, like, it's got to be like Thor, really? I mean, Thor yeah. 1 was okay, but damn, Thor 2 was a mess. Anyway, go on. Thor 2 was so bad, dude, that I remember once it was on Netflix, I think, I fell asleep twice watching it. It's it the took cure me... for insomnia. Yeah, it... it... It took me, and I'm not saying this to like be an a hole about fandom, but like literally, it took me four tries to get through it. Same with like the Doctor Strange movie. It took me about two or three times to like. I had to come back to it, you know. Uh, like it had my interest, but then I would be like, ah, you know, I, I should probably go do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it didn't have my interest enough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I love the but Doctor Strange movie, but it's if anything, okay. Doctor Strange is no more than Iron Man 1, dude. That's all it is. And even oh, yeah. then, it's not all the yeah. you know technical stuff. It's more of magic. And, like, I can understand. It feels like two movies in one. But, you know, mm-hmm. it could have been a lot worse. But <laughs> that's yeah. all the thing about it. Yeah, I think, I think, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not to say Doctor Strange is bad to me. I think it's just like, like you're saying, it's Iron Man 1. And I've seen Iron, and I love Iron Man 1. Mm. So it's like. I've seen this, so I know it's going to work out in the end. You know, like there's there's no like potential, um, like flip it on your head ending for Doctor Strange. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it is it is Iron Man one, and I'm pretty sure at the very end he's going to still be cocky. He's going to still be awesome, and um, whatever. Like technically, you know, uh, Black Panther was Lion King. Technically, yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah. Black Panther is literally the Lion King movie. Yeah, it is. So, um, yeah. and, and it's like, what do you expect? It's a Disney movie. Like they can't go crazy with it. They can't get ultra socially conscious with it. It, it you know, because they could have. The beginning kind of hinted at it, but mm-hmm. it just kind of dropped it. You know, after that point. Lord knows they did for the sequel. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking this. I'm like, okay, I get it. A lot of y'all want Shuri to be female Black Panther. I get it. A lot of you want that. But you see, once again, when you think of how many people played Spider-Man, you think of how many people played Captain America. Yeah, look it up. How many people Mm -hmm. played the Hulk? How many people played Superman, Batman? And then you're going to take a minority character here. And you're just going to have it as the one. And, you know, Chad wouldn't have wanted that. Chad would like to see the mantle go on. You know what I'm saying? And Shuri became her yeah. own character in the comic. So it's like, once again, people don't understand, like, you know, the argument. But me saying that, though, oh, now there's a problem. Oh, he don't fit with our narrative. My narrative! Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And it's so funny, too, because I, I just look at that movie and I think one of the amazing story points you have, because you're like, I mean, we all kind of know Killmonger is not dead. Right? And that's how Disney rolls these movies up. Like, the only bad guy that's dead is Thanos, as far as we know. Yeah, as far as we know. Right? Well, and, and Ronan. So, and Ronan. Right. And so, for me, it's like one of those things where the the greatest the greatest way I think you could have paid homage as a creative in one of these writing rooms is you pitch it as like, look, okay, so we know Killmonger's not dead, and we know that in the first movie he talked about wanting the mantle. Remember they fight on that cliff edge, that waterfall or whatever? Yep. And I think the biggest thing could be is like, you know, start the movie off with this concept of like T'Challa, you know, who who the hell knows? Maybe somewhere in this battle during the Thanos thing, he got gravely injured or something. Like, man, write it off somehow, right? But now Killmonger, after being healed, right, and his perspective changing because they share that moment at the end of Black Panther, right, where they're watching the sunrise. And, and it's pretty profound, but they almost kind of see eye to eye on, like, that land is worth protecting is kind of the subtext of that ending. And it's almost like a reflection on like the MLK in comparative to like Malcolm X, you know, there's like peaceful protest version of getting what you need. And then there's a, by any means necessary, you know, when the time comes, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I would think to myself, like if, if you really want to make it powerful, you just say in the sequel, Killmonger has been revived and saved and his perception has changed. And he takes up the mantle of being Black Panther, because then will he see what what it really takes for diplomacy and to be like a you know a warrior king? Isn't just be angry and like you said, get fed narratives and be grumpy guy who wants to rob museums. You know, there's a bigger narrative out there. If you think that like in the snap of a finger, some purple guy from who knows where could have just made Wakanda disappear mm. and never cared. You know, so what are all these like in, intermittent squabbles about? Man, you know what I'm saying. Just- the pandering is just what kills these movies sometimes. Okay. Yeah, and that's the thing is like pe- people would go, "Oh no, well that's not cool because Killmonger was a whatever," and you're just like, "Okay, well redemption stories have been told how many times? Multiple. A yeah, long you know, time. like yeah, like we can't tell a re- redemption story. Is that too mature? <laughs> like, you know, like I don't know. I I. But like you're saying, it's it's what's in these narratives, you know? So, I mean, is that for sure that, like, the younger sister in the movie is going to be, like, the next Black Panther, or are they still not? Is that not, like, for Man, certain? I don't know what the hell they're doing with that sequel. All I see is just a bunch of people going back and forth saying all this stuff. Until until Fiji or whoever's in charge of um, community relations say something, then I'll be certain. You understand what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Yeah. All I know is is that much like anything else, it's just nothing but a bunch of misinformation. That's always yeah. It's a bunch of these days. It's a bunch of scoops to to keep interest, you know. And and sometimes Mm -hmm. it flips in a negative way, and sometimes it you know sometimes it starts with negative news. Like we'll talk. I mean, people have been talking about Matt Reeves the Batman being in trouble for a year at this point. Oh man, this is a lot um, of shit though. Like you know, black not to cut you off or anything, but Black Widow, like when that came out. Why, why does IndieWire feel as though, much like any of these other female-led movies, to come and tell us that it'll scare the hell out of men? It'll put men in their place. I'm like, who really has to go that damn far 
Can't I just enjoy the fucking movie without a whole lot of, oh, he said, she said? Does it have to be about the sexist thing? I mean, damn. Like, I don't understand. So it's so funny, though, to see those marketing moves from something like Black Widow when, like, Wonder Woman was how many years ago? At least, like, three and not or even four. That. At least, yeah, right. three or and four. Even before that, like, Wonder Woman and BVS was how long ago? Like, she literally saves Batman. Yeah. So who cares about the black? Like, it, it, if you're going to compare it to those, like, impactful moments, who cares about the Black Widow movie? I mean, like, yeah. literally, until they started remarketing the movie to come out in theaters, no one asked for it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a scary fact. The same thing with, like, Matt Reeves' Batman, and it's, like, where all this, like, marketing with the studios comes down to is, like, no one is asking for this movie. There's more movements online weekly for them yeah. to give back the Batman movie to Ben Affleck. Well, and there's no one asking to see, like, more trailers for the Batman, which is a bad sign. A very bad sign. Well, you know, not only that, though, like, if you think about all these female-dominant-led movies, okay? I'm not saying that there's a problem mm-hmm. with it, because they've had movies like this in the beginning. The first Wives Club, yeah. for instance. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, or, yeah. or The Color Purple, I mean, dude, or like any of them. Kill Bill. Yes. Kill Bill. See, this is my thing. Black Widow, if you want to scare men, should be crazier than Kill Bill. Should be crazier than Terminator Dark Fate or, 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 or Ghostbusters 2016. But it did not work for those films. Matter of fact, right. it killed those films because you alienated a demographic. No matter what you say, when you go ahead, men are a demographic just as much as women are. I don't give mm-hmm. a damn what you say. Yeah. It's mind-boggling that in, in all of that, in these, you know, in these, they try to make these like mini-movements for all these movies. You know what I mean? And it's and almost like obnoxious. Oh, it is obnoxious and very unnecessary because, I mean, who's even arguing about this stuff now, you know? There are women it's, this, and men in executive roles all the time. And what it is is because the movie was supposed to come out last year in theaters, right? Mm. And so what ends up happening is all the trailers that they've pre-cut and blown their budget on, they're not going to change. Oh, so it's not. the way it works is Disney is like, we're already in the hole. Right? Like, yeah. we have not released a movie. We barely opened the parks. Attendance is not what we thought it was going to be. So, um, these trailers are, we're going to run with this narrative, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, last year this would have been great. Before the election, this shit would have been oh, yeah, fucking a lot more fire than it is. It would have been like Citizen Kane marketing for these people, but it's not. It, it, yeah. Now it's almost obnoxious. For me, I, I said this on a podcast a very long time ago that I used to do. Before Birds of Prey came out, I said, I want it to be good because I love all these characters in this movie. And I want a female director to nail this shit. Because, I, dude, I, Patty Jenkins is awesome. She is. So a part of me, a part of me watches Wonder Woman 84 and thinks to myself, she's create, right, she's creating this as a, as a fuck you to who. And that's what I wanted. Like when I saw 80, like one eighty four, I thought to myself, like this is a fuck you to somebody, right? This has to be a fuck you to somebody. Whether it's the studio, you know, the idea of this like placating everybody gets what they want within this marketing narrative, and like what you're talking about. And then here we have this, you know, Doctor Fate esque character who's just like granting wishes to everybody who has a complaint. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like she's writing this this way for a reason. And and then we see the fallout with Warner Brothers and all these executives and like the the sets being toxic and Gal Gadot being threatened on the set of Justice League, you know, by Joss Whedon about like ending her career in front of the crew. Yeah, like all people. Right. The woman who like 
is up there with Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill as like, if you fire her from the role, you will literally lose all your fans. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why would you make that threat, dude? And so I think that's where I see these things and like we're birds of prey. What sucks for me is like, I remember saying on this podcast that like, someone should be there to make sure this movie is as good as possible because the people that will get the blame for it being bad, ironically, are all the women involved. And that's not fair either. No, it isn't. If I was I- sitting there thinking, I was like, because you know, now some a lot of people will disagree with me on this, but the ladies from Ghostbusters 2016, each and every single one of them are pretty funny. Even Melissa yeah. McCartney in her own way. You know, like, yes. yeah. they, they, they're funny, but this movie just didn't friggin' work. Yeah. And because they were pushing that narrative and that agenda as a way of trying to ease in instead of just selling us a movie, that's what killed it. You, you know? want to know what's crazy? Yeah. On, Rotten, on Rotten Tomatoes, if I remember correctly, Ghostbusters 2016 has a better Rotten Tomatoes score than Godzilla King of the Monsters. See, that's why, I had to, see, that's why I, I, when I look at that shit, I'm always thinking, somebody's shilling. Somebody's yeah, shilling hard. See? That's what I'm saying. So there is, and I hate to like say it this crudely, but like there is no fucking way. Nah. And anyone <laughs> thinks that Ghostbusters 2016 is better than Godzilla, Godzilla King, of, King the Monsters. of the Monsters. Fuck no. Are man, you that's... fucking crazy? Nah. There's no way, dude. There's no way. And <sighs> yeah, but that's but that was in that year of marketing. It was like remember, it's like they almost they like dared you. They dared men. The whole marketing campaign for it was hinged on the idea that like if you're a man and you don't like this you're anti-woman like they dared you to to out yourself you know Mm -hmm. yeah and then like you know and and if you go and read some of those reviews they're preposterous oh you know man I had a I had a field day running through them you see my show before I was like yeah (laughs) yeah oh man like even now, I mean, when people saying, "Oh, I'm I'm scared for the MCU," I'm like, "No, you're fucking not. We've been out of theaters and shit for at least a year. You're gonna eat this like a hot cake. Matter dog, of fact, you're gonna like, get fat off of it." Loki didn't even get his own movie; he got a show. Yeah, you know, like, and it's only because Disney realizes people aren't going to theaters. Like, this is where people have to realize, like, where, where the marketing breaks down in these studio systems and. And I don't know if you want, we can go into it later, but, or if anyone checks out my site, they can see like my little personal history. But what ends up happening is Disney blows so much money on the marketing for these movies that realistically they barely break even, mm-hmm. you know? So a movie like Endgame had, it had to make $2 billion. If it didn't, oh, yeah. if it made it, if it made like Avatar money, it would have been at a loss. Yeah, for Disney, you know, and sake, that's the yeah. part they don't. Yeah, that's the part they don't tell you. You know, and that's that's the tr- that's the big kind of illusion to all the marketing. You know, it's like, and and you kind of saw it in, in most recently with like Mulan. Remember, like they really pumped out a lot and they made it seem like the, the app, most epic movie ever. Right, come come get the app so you can watch Mulan, and if you don't like it, you must be anti-Chinese people. Yeah, and you're like, no, it, it just. If I wanted to watch Mulan, just like the Lion King remake, I would just fucking watch Mulan. Yeah. Right? Like, if this is beat for beat, the same movie, why? Like, this is where the Mortal Kombat remake could have literally gone beat for beat. 
because all people would love to see is like maybe more action and more visceral shit because the yeah. story is kind of the same. Like you could have still gone, you still could have done like a time loop story. Like history repeats itself because it's Mortal Kombat and these portals and X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah. So you have that excuse built into that scenario, even with the example of Mortal Kombat 11 and its storyline. So now with something like Mulan, that's not the case. I don't need to see Mulan. Right? If you're Disney, here's what you should have done. When you made Disney Plus and you launched it, since you just acquired Fox, you should have given fans and the fans you weren't expecting exactly what they've wanted for years, which is a second Simpsons movie. You would think. See? But there you go. If you were actually dialed into that fan base that you actually care about, you would realize that those two fan bases cross over. Right? And to buy yourself time to Black Widow and the next Marvel movie, you could have just said, hey, we're announcing that the new, we're going to make a new Simpsons movie since we acquired them. You know, yep. it might be the biggest budget 2D animated film ever, you know? And at the same time, it's only coming to the app. Boom. You, whatever. Seems like you and I had a lot of money, right? And we go ahead mm-hmm. and we buy a, a, buy a whole studio and buy all the um, IPs with it. But the thing right. is, we didn't give one damn cent about any of them IPs, so we just rest on them. You yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. pretty much what they do. They're just sitting on that shit. They, they don't care about the Simpsons anymore, and they probably care about, oh, hey, we got all the Marvel things under one roof. That's all everybody was thinking about when they went ahead and they bought Fox, because guess what? The Fantastic Four and the X-Men can come back. That's all they Dude, were thinking about. Yeah, you're about. right. You're right, because if, if Disney cared about those fan bases... I'm going to give you three things off rip that would immediately draw on audiences. You give Neil Blomkamp that alien movie that he's been working on for seven years, right? Yes. Okay. You give Neil Blomkamp the alien movie. You make a fucking Gargoyles movie. Yes. Finally. And to super meta your superhero universe, you just make a fucking Darkwing Duck movie and get it over with. Like, get it over with. Like, make a Darkwing Duck DuckTales universe. Fuck, like... That dude, honestly, if you release Darkwing Duck and the next Captain America movie side by side, you know what movie I'm seeing? I'm watching Darkwing Duck. I'm not watching Captain America mm-hmm. because I've seen 14 Captain America appearances at this point. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you Captain America out. But see, the thing is, they had that shit right there, though. That whole Ducktales reboot was great, man. And then all exactly, sudden, exactly. Like, it, it even and they, brought back Goofy for a little bit. Remember Goofy yeah. from Goof Troop? They brought yep. brought him back in there for a few episodes, and then they even made a reference to Darkwing Duck, and then Darkwing Duck got his own episode. Supposed to be getting his show back, too. And I'm like, yeah. but they ended up canceling yeah, but... DuckTales for some reason. Okay, you're Disney, you're Disney, and you have Pixar. You just made the Disney Plus app, right? Right. What if Pixar made the Darkwing Duck movie? You know how would've sick been that beast. would be? Would have been beast. What if you gave Pixar the Gargoyles movie? Even better. To finally let, the, let them do something that's not, like, completely kid-friendly? Yes. Like, wh- where where is every Like, everybody's head is obviously straight up their ass on all this shit. And that was I mean, the one thing I noticed in the industry specifically. Like, we would be in these meetings, and the biggest thing you realize is, like, everyone in here is a fucking idiot. That's it. You know? It, like, and now you give those idiots analytics, and they think that's how the world works. You know, so the vocal 8% of your audience online isn't who goes to the theater. If that was the case, dude, and like shitty movies and and negative reviews of these shitty movies 
were the end-all, be-all for movies, we wouldn't have nine Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, um, we wouldn't have them, but we do, because that studio isn't stupid. Nah, people are going to go see them. That's the thing. Like, I mean, yeah. I can look at them, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm I'm not entirely a fan as I would be, if that makes any sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I was, like, knee mm-hmm. deep into them, I'd probably be going to see them. But yeah. I, I'm not into them like that, but I can't knock the fact that it fucking works and people are actually going to go see those movies because they like the characters. They like what's going on in there and stuff. And not only that, Hobbs yeah, and Shaw true. kind of broke the rules on, like, there's no realism in this shit anymore. Hell, there wasn't no realism in this shit when it was Fast and Furious and then Fast Five came along <laughs> and everything. You know what I'm the, saying? Yeah, the, the clip I see of Hobbs and Shaw that kills me every time because I still have... I tried to watch that movie, and I only got, like, a couple minutes into it. Not to say that, it, to me, I don't know if it's bad or not, because I haven't seen the whole thing, right? But off my five-minute viewing of it, it's a, it's a live-action cartoon, and yeah. that's fine. That's it's fine. Big, explosive, and dumb. That's why yes. we love it. And thank, thank you. Thank you. It's like, these, these should still exist. Big, stupid movies should still exist, because here's what's happened with... with pop culture and I think pop culture audiences, right, is the reason why something like the Snyder Cut hit so hard with fans and did so well that, like, it also broke, like, HBO Max's rule of, like, these digital movies are only on here for 30 days. Well, that's a lie because Justice League pulls in audiences so well, quite obviously, that it's still on the app and it's been, like, four months. Yeah, but but who, who would think that it didn't? Who would be exactly. crazy enough to think that the Justice League wouldn't have any freaking Exactly. Time? And leave it up to Warner Brothers to be stupid, too stupid to put it out on a 4K DVD by now. God. Or start, or start re-releasing it in theaters. Because, like, millions of fans online who make a trend every two weeks would definitely go pay money to go see a run of it. I mean, fucking, you know, do you remember way back when, when, like, uh, Death Proof and Planet Terror had the Grindhouse double screening? Where you were there for four hours? Yeah. Did you ever? Okay, I went with my cousin Pablo. And we were both, we nerded, we nerded the fuck out, dude. Four hours in a theater when you're just enjoying yourself. In a like, grindhouse film? Hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I think what happened is people realized, oh, and like to go back to your director's cut thing where it's like, in this case, when you want to tell story, we all saw that like what they actually cut was story from Justice League, not action, you know? And it's mm-hmm. like, because plot can remain the same, but story is not plot. And I think that's a lot of modern audiences don't understand, but I think studios get confused. Like, writers must not remember that anymore, that old adage of, like, your story is the emotional story. Your story is the literal narrative. Your plot is the physical journey of your movie. That's it. Right? Like, and I remember getting, like, having Linda Calgo over my shoulder, like, no, no, no. That's your story. That's your plot. Like, literally just kind of going, okay, okay. Like, I'm understanding where this meets in the middle, you know? And I don't think... People understand that anymore. You know, I, I think the worst thing, to its credit, for all its great, big, grandiose things that it's done, I think the Marvel formula has also bled into as inspiration in every other industry where, like, things have to be a billion dollars or it's shit, you know. Kind of kills and, the and I, thing a high concept, doesn't it? Right, because now, if you're looking at it from the concept of, if that's the case, then Shazam... Shazam is a failure, but people loved it, right? So it's like that's that's not a fair thing either. Like, you're, in essence, it, when you take on that mindset, you're killing filmmaking. 
Mm. Like if a if a director and a writer want to tell an emotional story, you have to let them tell that story. You know, okay. so you see that come through with something like the Snyder Cut, where I think as a creative, I take a lot of inspiration from it because it's somebody who is like, or you have a director saying like, I would rather blow up my movie. I would set it on fire than use any footage that I did not shoot myself. Mm-hmm. Like that is an artist that no matter what, you should keep in the industry because that artist fights for actors like Ray Fisher, right? Right. I, the, the irony is in all this in all this inclusivity, they wanted to cut out the black main character of the emotional narrative of this story. Yeah, see, now that is a problem, especially if that character is core to the story and everything. You know, not exactly. every character can be like the badass. Not every character can be like the, the Lancer and stuff like that. One character has to have some growth. You know what I mean? And that's like, the thing. We, is like Cyborg, Cyborg ended up being the badass. Yeah. Like him in the Flash. Him in the Flash. Like the two, what you would have considered like the most origin story-ish characters, ended up being like the Flash scene where he goes back in time to save everybody is like fucking profound from just a story standpoint. Mm-hmm. Like it's so simple. It's in every comic book, right? Every comic book you know is a nerd for the Flash. It's like, oh yeah, he goes back in time and X, Y, and Z. Superman's done it. Dr. Fate's done it. You know what I mean? Like, how many characters have gone back in time? I mean, Doctor Strange you know has done it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's passe at this point for comic books. But the way it's presented in the story, when, like, you have this bond made from orphans, technically. Yeah. You know? It's, like, it's, it's empowering, I think, as a creative. You know? And it's I think that's a dangerous... That is, in essence, the dangerous precedent. I know there was like a lot of cliche things, like "oh, is giving Zack Snyder or director's cut a dangerous precedent?" You know, and it's like, well, you know, it's a dangerous precedent when they re-released Avengers Endgame and they put like that PlayStation Two footage of the Hulk at the end of the movie. Do you remember that? And then made everybody pay a full price ticket to for an added two minutes of footage for Avengers. Yeah, yeah, for the rescue scene and stuff like that. That was so stupid. Right. Oh, man, I knew that was trash. I was like, I'm not doing it. I done spent three hours seeing this film. Matter of fact, I've only seen Avengers Endgame one time, and the shit's still fresh, dude. Dude, I saw Avengers Endgame once, and it gave me a headache. That That's all like, that needed to be seen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, after that, I was, I was in overload. I was like, what did I just see right now? Like, it ended the way I could have predicted it, but that end battle didn't need to be four hours long, it felt like. You know what I mean? Like, damn. Like, they showed think, all that in there, dude. <laughs> oh, my God. Even down to the Captain Marvel thing. When Were you there with the live audience when, like, Captain Marvel shows up and everyone's like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I was there. And then like, I saw, I saw it was it get cold or some shit, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yes. I know. I know. And I don't, you know. Well, she was only in, like, 2% of the movie, like, really. Yeah. And uh, every time the, it cut to her in the theater, people were just like, oh, <laughs> and, and you know that's a shame though considering that the character of cat marvel is actually pretty decent but it's her fans some yeah let's just be honest it's the same thing with batman's fans some of them can be pretty annoying sometimes i think uh, yeah, i yeah i agree i'm a and huge then, batman fan and the ironic part is is like everyone gets this fucking hard on for those chris nolan movies and oh, i understand yeah. it i understand it but i will be honest as a fan okay as a chris nolan freak Right, because I love like his movies in general. Yeah, I could say that 
his Batman movies also might be the most boring, right? There's a lot of exposition and growth to get through when you watch them. But I mean, it it does help the movie. But you see, like I said, once again, it's fan dumb that kills it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you go too far and you're like, oh, there can't be anything better than this. And I'm like, well, no wonder it seems like Warner Brothers have a hard time taking Batman and Joker and having them face off against each other right now. And it's so funny you, you say that too, and especially going to the Joker point, and then going back to like the Sandra Cut concept is like, and then they only, there was like a three minute scene of Jared Little's Joker and Ben Affleck's Batman and fans wanted a whole movie of that. Yeah. After all the hate, after all the Jared Leto and Ben Affleck hate, all of a sudden. Now they want it. <laughs> yeah. And, and like that goes down, that goes down to like what, like you're saying, like they create these narratives, like the, with the Black Widow marketing, like these narratives are created, but with like the new state of things is like, there's no more marketing. Like, think about it. Like, Loki just kind of dropped on Disney+. And I think what they've realized on that end is it's really up to the fans if they like it or not, you know? Like, and that you saw people kind of be honest about, like, what is it, Falcon and Winter Soldier, right? Where, like, everyone was really into it, and then some of the reviews say that it kind of petered out towards the end. And oh, yeah. Pro- and probably because, one, it might have been, it it been a better movie, but what happens is when you're now only making the show to placate your app and not really do better for the characters, let's be real, this should have been a movie before Spider-Man was probably even in the MCU, right? Like, because of the status, supposedly, as important as these characters are. You know, like, this should have been after Endgame, like, immediately. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, what? Wh- why is it th- three years after in a series and... They they were going to do that anyway to go ahead and try to make people go to this whole thing because, you know, it's just like anything else. Every single one of those MCU series refer to get people on that app. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And then not only that, like, once again, Avengers Endgame is the biggest, dumbest movie ever made. (laughs) I say that all the time because, dude... Now they're playing yeah. with the multiverse stuff, so now they can kind of do whatever they want to do. And then, like, yeah. you know, in terms of you continuity, got... like, with Eternals. Yep. Remember Eternals? Like, mm-hmm. they were sitting there talking about, like, Iron Man and Cap aren't there anymore. And it's like, you motherfuckers were hiding out the whole time that that shit was going down. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thank you. you know, I like... saw that trailer. I saw that trailer, and I thought to myself, so I watched Endgame for no fucking reason, or what? Like, I've seen all these movies for no reason? Yeah. Or, like... What do you? What are you all just going to come together and like do like sperm donations and make another all awesome cap or something? Like what? What are the Eternals going to do? Like, oh, and, and let's be honest. Like, like me and you had said off mic just in a regular conversation one day, which was like, this is only here to explain mutants yeah. like being in these movies. Like, this is a hour and a half commercial. If this flops, who cares? Because all it's supposed to do is just explain why there might be a Wolverine reboot in a year and a half from now. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Marco, yes, I've sir. been a Marvel fan all my life. Like, I, I love them both Marvel and DC. I don't know why people have mm-hmm. to, you know, who's going to outbeat who. I love them both. Right. But the thing yeah. is, is this. I have never met a damn Eternals fan in my life. Hey, I agree. I have. I dude, like, what the fuck? All of, a, all of a sudden, people are ultra hyped for the Eternals. I couldn't even find an Eternals comic book. Exactly. Like, we used to go to Meltdown Comics in LA when it was there. I don't know uh-huh. if it's still there. I don't know if it made it through 2020 or not. But, like, I remember just thinking to myself, recently, I have never seen the cover of an Eternals comic book in a shop or anywhere. Unless, and it might have just slipped by me. 
You know what I'm saying? I've seen plenty of Daredevil covers. I've seen plenty of, like, you know, Superior Spider-Man. I've seen plenty of, you know, what is it, like, Captain America covers. You know, like, the typicals. Like, the typical pinnacle Marvel characters. But the Eternals, for it to be, like, this, like, universe reset movie, what? Yeah, I think that's spearheaded by Angelina Jolie being in the cast. But I'll be honest with you, though. Like, no, I, I have not seen a damn Eternals fan in my life. But I have seen a lot of Inhumans fans, and Marvel TV fucked that up. And I Ghost got Rider. Her at that they, time. They, yeah. they fucked up Ghost Rider, too. Again. And they fucked up S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah. And then S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, that, that show was damn good. You know, what is it, man? Is it because, like, they were on, like, outsourced networks or something like that? Because, as far as I know, ABC is under the same umbrella. Now, I can understand the Netflix films to a point. You know what I right. mean? But yeah. even then, it's like, that's still your product. You might have licensed it out, but it's still where, yours. Where Marvel and Disney, to me, kind of shit the bed on all that is Daredevil was so strong as a show and a character and a narrative that after you got done with like your cutesy Ultimate Family Avengers universe, right, and you wanted to introduce some stakes into the world, you already had Punisher and Daredevil. And you fucked it up. Had Luke like, Cage too, I, but yeah. Right. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, at least off rip. Like, if you wanted to start, like, a Defenders universe for films, right? Like, you wanted to... And you could have put all your cutesy, you know, Gen 1 Avengers, you know, post-Endgame shows. You could still put those on Disney+. Plus. You could. But it, it, speaks, it speaks to a company that bought Fox without... Like, let's be honest, because Aliens is, like, heavily R-rated. It is. It's like, I know Disney owns, like... At one point, a bunch of uh, interest in stake in a bunch of other studios. But, like, the funniest thing to me is the most family-friendly brand bought Fox. Yeah. And if you look at, like, even even just the status of the X-Men movies in general, right? Uh-huh. Like, the X-Men movies in general, under Disney, you will never get a Wolverine movie. No. Like you'll never get a, you'll never get a Logan movie. So say goodbye to that precedent too. Not on that same table, on that same token. Hell no. No, I mean you're not gonna. I mean, think about it, dude. They're Disney. They know that Deadpool is an easy cash grab if you want to make a couple of million, right? So mm-hmm. next thing you know, they're not even making a Deadpool movie. Oh man, dude, they're just sitting on it. Like you know, yeah. like they're they're all ready to go with Deadpool three. I mean, like even Fox was ready to go with that, but then mm-hmm. here it comes. Here come Mickey. Here come the execs. Yeah. The biggest kind of insider baseball thing about L.A. and Hollywood and these studios, having been in it, is holding deals keep you safe, right? So you only buy Fox. Let's say they never put a fucking mutant in any of these movies. Let's say, like, not even Nightcrawler shows up at one point, right? There's never even an Iceman. Well, what it is, is I can't be there if Nightcrawler's not there, but go on. <laughs> what ends up happening is now you've bought you have all your properties back, but I mean, what do you want to see more? Do you want to see another Doctor Strange movie, or are you interested to see where like Wolverine ends up? Mm. You know, I would be more interested to see where Wolverine ends up. I mean, like, who's playing him? That's the thing, and that's the thing is, I'm more interested to see if it's going to be a train wreck or if it's going to be really good, right? Because if you tell me there's another Doctor Strange movie, in my mind, all I start to think about again is all they're going to do is a repeat of, like, the WandaVision thing, where it's, like, this weird universe mind trip, X, Y, and Z, and then, haha, we're just back to another simple-ass precedent where we've just established a new bad guy, maybe for a movie or a show or whatever. Oh, but, yeah. like, it, pl- it, it played it safe. We're back to quasi-square one, and that's it. Yeah, but once again, there's still a riff in the timeline. 
that will mm-hmm. never be exploited as a variant because of Loki's story. And then, you know, we won't really find out the tip top of all this stuff until the next Doctor Strange movie comes. Directed by Sam mm-hmm. Raimi, by the way, one of my favorites. I know. And see, that's what has me interested is I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan, right? From like Evil Dead to Dark Man to, I mean, fuck it, even Tin Cup. Yes. Um, and so for me, it's like that has my interest, my biggest fears. I'm also a huge Edgar Wright fan. And I know what Ant-Man could have been, and then I saw Ant-Man, and then I thought, I don't need to see this again. Well, I thought Peyton you know? did okay, but I would have loved to have seen Edgar Wright's original vision. And that's my thing, too, is like, it's kind of like, do you want Hot Fuzz or do you want Paul Blart? Yeah, to you see know? That, that now, you put and, it that way, yeah. And that's what I'm saying, is like, I would rather, I'd rather take Hot Fuzz. I'd rather, <laughs> you take, know, like, I, I'd rather take Observe and Protect, but okay. <laughs> you know what's funny is Observant Report is highly underrated. I think yeah, it's a highly I, I underrated movie. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, the ending when he shoots the streaker is by far one of the funniest moments in you know, movies ever. That's like, because That's like some bullshit I would do. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. And it's also like the loudest gunshot in a movie you ever hear. It's yeah. like so loud. You're, it, and I know it's supposed to shock you. But it's comically loud. It, it catches you off guard because as soon as that guy's like all running, he's like he, and then all of a sudden, bow. Yes, it's mad loud, mad loud. <laughs> that's it's like the, that's like I'm tired of your shit. Here we go, you know. Yes, because I mean, I know you can't. I mean, with that kind of ending, you know, a security guard or an officer like pulling a gun and just willy nilly shooting somebody in today's world is not funny. Right, just like how Ace Ventura is triggering to people. Yeah, but um, it, I don't, I don't even fucking care, dude. That ending, just thinking about that ending, still makes me laugh because it's insane to me. You know, God, if we ever make a movie like that, that's balls to walls crazy. We got to do something like that in the end. That's that's just, you know, that's I'm a fan us. of like funny accidents make me laugh. Like watching old people fall. You know, it's just it's. It's these, like, cathartic things, I think, that are, like, super necessary. I think that's one of the things that, like, some of the the big tentpole movies now kind of miss. Like, that cathartic, dramatic sense of awareness at the same time. Like, you have to know if you're trying to be, like, big and dumb or big and operatic or, like, overtly serious. I think that's where some of my, some of my enjoyment for, like, um, Captain America Winter Soldier oh, is yeah. that, like... It's overtly serious, you know, where he's, like, in the elevator and it's, like, mad tense. And you know he's going to kick everybody's ass. You know, so it's kind of got, like, that Jackie Chan, like, Rumble in the Bronx vibe to me where it's, like, overtly serious, you know. And you and you I, and I'm with it. I like it. Especially because, like, there's a scene where they're running on foot and they're faster than all the cars. That looks stupid as hell when you think about it. And if you look at it from with sober eyes, it looks really silly. But it's also a lot of fun. Yeah, right. I mean, you're you're allowed to have those kind of scenes, especially in a movie like that. It's a spy thriller. It's a superhero yeah. movie trying to be a spy thriller. So right, know. yeah. It's like okay, he threw a shield at a fighter jet, and uh, problem solved. Sure. Or he Who falls cares? out of a um, out of a twenty foot building and then lands on his shield and then he keeps going. Yeah, 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 or like when he's stopping all those ships from taking off, they all land right back on top of DC with like 
thousands of hundreds of thousands of casualties and no one cares. Yeah. Or, or yeah. that whole part, like, speaking of which, somebody did care, because especially that opening of, of Captain America Civil War, where, like, the woman gave Tony another guilt trip. That's all you gotta do to get Iron Man to act a certain way. Just give him a fucking guilt trip, and there we go. Now, if you did that with Magneto, <laughs> Magneto wouldn't give a flying fuck. Magneto would be like, are you mutant or not? Uh, one of the, no? Boom. Yeah. I think one of the funny things, too, is Iron Man 3 is kind of a mess, you know? Kind um, of a mess? But, like, some of my favorite bits in that movie is, well, like, the very... you were pretty light with that. You said kind of a mess. Anyway, well, here's, here's the reason, because some of my bits and my favorite bits in that movie is, like, Shane Black's writing of, like, when he tells the, when he tells the kid to not be a pussy. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. But, it, but it's, like, while the grown men are shooting rifles at them, and he's, like, arming the kid with, like, a homemade phaser, right? Yes. That's, like, it's built up, like, a D battery and, like, a flashlight or some stupid, sh- like, some, like, Goonies-esque dumb thing and i love that because like that's comic bookish yeah right like we've seen those scenes so many times in comic books and it's like okay yeah this is this is wild and stupid but so are majority of comic books well yeah i mean you know like totally but like comic books Uh, were not made to make sense comic books were made to if anything keep us out of our parents' hair for a while and stuff like that, you know? It was meant to take yeah. us to, like, different areas. It's kind of like, yeah. you read a Conan comic book, right? You don't give a flying fuck whatever really happens in real life. No, you just want to see a big burly man, or or in mm-hmm. other cases with Red Sonia, a beautiful Amazonian woman kick a whole lot of ass. Very rarely did you expect, like, the deep, heavy morality tale. Right? Yeah. Like, and if you wanted that you could get that one-off, like, Frank Miller run of Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. there were those, like, or you could get Watchmen, or you could get anything, or you could you could fucking read Spawn if you wanted, like, some very heavy concepts. Yeah, or anything you know? from Dark Horse. Right, exactly. Or you could go fucking get a Beavis and Butthead comic book and mm-hmm. not care. Or if you, know you want something like, really, really deep, read a novel. It, yeah, exactly. You could you could go you could have bought Fight Club the book. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you could have done anything you wanted, and I don't know. I, I just think a lot of the industry stuff with that, like especially with film right now, I think is I don't know. I think it's in a it's in a flux because it's like what what is there to draw people in? There's like so much content. I was but, um, thinking that. What I'm saying is, and this might be a little controversial, I don't know anymore, but maybe we need to quit following trends. Maybe we need Mm -hmm. to go ahead and tell, like, all this stuff about diversity and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Why don't we just tell the different kind of stories and stuff? Be be a little risky about it. Give it a flying, Mm -hmm. you know, give it a flying chance. Like, superhero movies are the thing right now because they're easy to do. Dude, I could go ahead and do a movie based off of Calvin and Hobbes if I really wanted to much respect yeah. to Bill Waterson, but you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, already like, have its audience. People people got mad at Man of Steel because it was like a quasi-adoption slash immigrant story, but also like a first contact alien invasion terrorist film, if you think about it. You know what I'm saying? And it's a movie that gives you a bunch of concepts that I think people, people didn't want. It's like so... 
And to me, like a lot of Superman fans to me are also like kind of like the Eternals fans. You know, like what you were saying is like you don't meet a bunch of them. Like, yeah, you, there's a lot of people who own a Superman shirt, right? Well, but you don't meet you don't meet a lot of like Superman fans, except except when a movie comes out that scares them or whatever, right? Because Superman's uh, like doing what, Superman's doing what he's done in comic books forever on, in this movie. And the funny thing to me is, then everyone's like, "He's too dark. It needs to be like Christopher Reeves." When Christopher Reeves even said, "The hardest thing about doing Superman is over time, as you do it more." He needs to mature with the world. That's that's kind of tough too, because like once again, a character is only good as how people actually respect and write that character. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there are people who do horrible takes on Superman, much as like they do horrible takes on Spider Man. I mean, Brand New Day is a good example of how you don't really want to do a Spider Man comic, mm-hmm. but when you're in a hole yeah. like that, you know. And that's the thing too is. is like I I think. Personally, I really, really enjoy uh, Man of Steel, and I, I think for me, too. yeah, and I think for me, what what even bleeds over are those concepts. Those concepts of like Zod is doing it for his people, right? Yeah, and and that's that's another concept too. You could take that as a, as a current border tale. You know, you could have a South American kid born here or adopted. And a, and a sibling of his, you know, or a relative of his, finds out about it and is almost jealous. So jealous, he's willing to destroy a world for it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. And that's the movie. So it's like, so then who do you save? Complete innocent people or this one maniac? You know, let's go Star Trek. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, few right? Right. So it's like all these Superman fans, quote unquote, got very mad, right? The same with all the Batman fans where even Zack Snyder had to say, like, if you think a guy is going to have to save Superman's mom, you know, it's it's save Superman's mom or if she dies, the catastrophic failure from Superman losing his mind is terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to break into a building and save his mom without potentially very badly hurting other people, you're living in a fucking fantasy world, right? Like, it's one man. It's a guy in a suit. This isn't even Steve Rogers. Like, it's a guy in a suit. Hell, man, it's not even Lee Majors. I mean, think about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's and, like... It's ba- and, it's, and it's Batman past his prime. Like, yeah. it's a Batman that, that you see get stabbed. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. some guys land a hit. One guy's point blank behind his head fires a gun. Like, yeah, that would happen. Young, healthy, strong guys in street fights get fucked up all the time by two by two guys. So how are you gonna? You know what I'm saying? So it's it's that concept of like, dude. Okay, then you can't sit here and you know, and those Batman fans too. Like, you can't sit there and say you love Frank Miller's run, right? Or everyone loves All Star Superman and the Grant Morrison one, where like Superman gets like really melancholy because he realizes he has cancer. That's a pretty powerful story, too. You know, he survives and lives off the sun's radiation, but radiation also is what causes cancer. Yep. So it's almost like he's been overpowered this whole time. So now he's facing his mortality, right? That's what makes the character a lot more enjoyable and approachable. Like, Right. You have Man of Steel, and then the sequel is 
a Bruce Wayne that finds that one last bit of like physical large amounts of kryptonite. And you're like, okay, so everyone loves all these other takes on these two characters. This one's facing mortality, being really introspective. But now that you see it in action, you're mad, you know. But that's like what you're saying is like you have to protect the artists that are willing to make something different. Well, you got to be courageous too in art because um, there yeah. are too many people that pander and stuff like like what the direction I'm trying to take J360 TV to. It ain't gonna be the same as it always is. There ain't gonna be no cookie cutters. There ain't gonna be no no. I'm gonna mm-hmm. do documentaries on the Trump years and I'm gonna do documentary on the Biden years. I'm gonna do like I'm gonna be stepping it up. I'm not gonna leave no stone unturned. I think you have to be you have to be unflinchingly unbiased. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing too. I think with being creative, even down to like with the music that I make, like my my biggest thing is I it's it's about something, but to go back to that say less motto is like if you sit there and read through it and you you kind of meditate on a line here and then you kind of chew on it, it has up to two to three meanings at a time. Like I have my perspective of where I wrote it from and then there's another perspective of what it's supposed to mean to me. Right. And then also flipping it for, for a other type of audience that doesn't even know me, you know, where it's just like, I want to make content to speak to people who've been heartbroken or feel lost or like kind of left out and don't know where to go. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, because in all of the usual shit, I don't know what anyone's making music about anymore, really, you know? And I think that's that's where, too, like, when we're talking about these movies and stuff, it's like, who are these movies? Like, who who is the Mortal Kombat movie for? Exactly. Like, who was this, who was this for, the fans or eight-year-olds? Well, it wasn't you definitely know? for the fans, put it that way. And, you're, and like you said, you're not. it's not tied into the video game. There's no toys for this. So who the fuck is this movie for? Mm-hmm. You know, and that should have been the simplest thing. This is a video game. This video game just made billions of dollars over the last year and a half. Okay, because it was super successful. We should make it for those people. Leave it up to a studio and a bunch of stupid executives going, nah, we need to make it for John Q. Public. Yeah. No. You know, like, yeah. you need to make it for the people who it's for. And... Yeah. John I just think that's what it is. is very confused and and tiresome these days. Yeah, and then John Q. Public is also swayed by whatever hashtag is trending that month. Yeah. You know, and and like you said, that narrative. What is uh, people kind of fall into these lines of of thinking? And I think the one thing, like you're saying too, like we're saying, like being unflinchingly biased with the stuff that you make is where you have to be able to be like, this isn't about one one or the other side. And I think people don't like that. One thing I've noticed with the music, making it and like just, you know, kind of testing these demos out as I'm working on the EP is like, people want like almost immediate answers for what is this? Is this a song about bitches? You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not actually. Um, this is a song about something completely different and also not really just about some random bitches quote-unquote, this song is about, like, actually, you know, and God forbid, being a man and being emotional. Yeah, you know, because about feeling, that, feeling that's a certain not good way. either, you know? Right, right. And it's not like simp behavior. It's like critical thinking behavior. 
You know, it's not like, oh, I'm so mad because your ass is out and I'm horny. It's not even that. It's like a completely different, not even different perspective. It's it's the what I would imagine is the standard perspective. But now in today's world, I guess that's different. Yeah. You know. It's just, it's it's wild, man. But I mean, like, the thing is, at least we're going to be riding this social climate and all that kind of stuff as we make our content and all. Because I ain't mm-hmm. stopping. I mean, I'm pretty damn good at what I do. So I'm never, ever going to stop. And I always made yeah. a piece with, like, you know, there are people who love J360 Jams a little bit more than the J-Man Show. And then the thing is, the J-Man Show stands the test of time because wouldn't be no jams without the J-Man Show. Right, right. So it's, it's, it's like that, and I'm I'm able to cope with it. And then I just keep on going. But the thing is, people tune to the J-Man Show every freaking Wednesday because... I'm there on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing, too, is I think you have to know where you want to go with it. Like, who are you trying to serve with the stuff that you make? You know, mm-hmm. I think the diversity is good. Like, and to your example, like, yeah, the Jams listeners might not be regular podcast listeners. They might just be music heads. And that's totally fine. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't, have, you don't have to beg for those people to be crossover people. You know, like, I think that's the one thing, though, too, is like, be established in who you want to see what you make. That's it. You know what I'm saying? And and they have to just kind of be confident in them. Like my biggest thing, you know, my on my Instagram is funny because like I have follows from people that I respect. And that's really what I would like. Oh, you know? Yes. It's it's people like you, it's Musifer, it's Space Force, people we stream with. And it's people like Math Hoffa, it's like Entourage Entertainment. Um you know, to me, like, it's the people who see it who know what it's about is important to me. Like, over time, that stuff grows. And at the same time, the way I work and the way I've kind of always worked is, like, I like my website to be active. Like, to me, Instagram and all these things are marketing potentials, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I've been lucky enough to come across people like you and Space Force, you know. And then, like, I've known Eric forever, who's Musifer, and... um. It's those are honors, if anything. You know what I'm saying? To still have those like working connections with you know what I'm saying? And and for me it's like I work on stuff, I I focus on mainly street marketing because I like I you know, I'm an artist and at heart, so with what I'm working on is like I've been putting up these little small kind of thumbnail portraits, I guess you could say, of art that reflects a track that I'll start posting on the Instagram too and then um for me, I see those numbers coming back to the website, you know, and for me, that's important where it's like to kind of almost get out into the world. And in that old cliche where like reach out and touch somebody is leaving like physical art somewhere and someone finding it and just kind of going like, what is that? You know, after a year, after a year of being cooped up, you know what I'm saying? Like, being online and thinking that everything exists inside your phone and it's every single hashtag, it's every single movement, it's every single thing you have to watch what you say, but then you go outside and you see this thing and it's completely yours to experience by itself, this little piece of art. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't know. To me, that's that's kind of powerful. You know, and then I, I, look, at what you, I look at what you're doing and to me, that's powerful too. It's like you've you've grown an audience, you've grown a following and that following is actively engaged, you know, and that active engagement is what people I've consulted with brands 
um, a veterinarian brand that is like a world-renowned accreditation for veterinarians, right? Right. But the problem that they're facing is that, like, they keep posting Instagram pictures of puppies, right? But who doesn't love puppies? But those people are not paying for anything. And the vets that follow them are not wanting to pay for getting accredited through them. So it's like, you are on kind of the wrong platform here. And you're using it the wrong way. You know, I think everyone has to know what their niche is. Like you're, like you're saying, like, you have to know what you're creating each thing for. You know, like, do I want my, do I expect any of my music to ever be played? Like, when some, in, in a girl ass, there was some girl's ass shaking video? No. And do I want that? No. You know, like, I don't. I'm, I'm Okay. Like, I, that's not what I'm doing it for. Like, I have my history of music publishing and growing up as a drummer, getting into a band, a record deal, and getting into studios and producing, and then getting into film through connections and film school. And it's just like I've established my monetary avenues, and now I get to just like make what I want, which is art that speaks to people in different forms. You know, like, get through a bit of comedy a bit of memes a bit of music like writing collaborations you know what i'm saying like these things are more profound to me because all i saw in the industry was just like we talked about earlier like dead air between the ears of executives mm. you know you just got to tell them oh right now you know what's hot is um if men don't like female movies they're scared and then they're like oh they stamped the black widow movie script and go like this is the marketing thing and that's how we're doing it if men don't like it they're pussies and you're like um no maybe it's not good i have a problem with that because it's like this once again you're alienating the demographic if you're trying to make money and have full houses like like say like if we went back on the live stage performance you you wouldn't want to alienate no demographic you would want as many people to fill in those damn seats for this epic showcase. That's yeah. what you want. You would make the content as you see it, as true to you as possible, and men or women, or any gender or identity in between, right? right. Would find it and click with it. it so I mean, like it's at least approachable. That's the thing. Exactly. And so like if anyone goes to my site, they'll notice I've been doing these things called like missionary merch drops, right? So one of the things is a way for me to give back because that's kind of always kind of where my heart's been is like a, a need to serve others is I just randomly drop, I'll drop like official brand shirts randomly, like in different cities around California when I'm out and about recording or meetings or whatever. Right. And the funniest thing to me is like it finds who it finds, you know? And it's mm-hmm. almost like if something, a part of my content might offend you, the other, the other dare though, and the other realization should be that, like, in all the comedy or the satire or the music or the social commentaries, right, and viewpoints and opinions, of all that, it doesn't matter, right? Like, these can be perspectives that, if you take into consideration, can help you grow a bit of thicker skin or take in a new perception, right? And not to say that it's supposed to force you in it anyway. Like, these things are just supposed to be entertainment, you know, with a little bit of meaning, but just entertainment in general, right? Right. And so for me, what it is, is like that shirt being out there for someone to find is 
kind of really important to me because like you're saying, like it finds who it finds. That's it. You know, I could, I could make a joke that someone who identifies in one way or another could get offended by. Right. But at the same time, if that person also finds that shirt, it's theirs. Like that's the other, that's the other kind of, that's like the, that's like kind of my little trick on the world. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like this gift right here, this thing that's for you, if you find it is specifically for you. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care who you identify as. If you need it, you need it. That's it. Right. And I, that's what, one conversation we've had, me and you've had over the last year, just in private is like, we saw a lot of these movements. We saw a lot of these organiza- organizations pop up. And for me, I mean, you have talked about this too. It's like when money and intentions get mixed and perverted, it's over. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And so for me, it's a matter of like making content as a public service. That was even the point of the last podcast I did. Anyone listening to this thing called the Waffle Cast, where like the last two episodes of its run is up. And a lot of it was obviously social commentary comedy, you know, about when governments get involved with mass propaganda through media, especially governments that are not even yours, they're foreign governments. You know, that is a bad sign. Yes, and I've yes, I've, I've been in those I've been in those meetings where like a long time ago we went to an investor meeting and this is a for real thing we worked at Tao uh, Creative we go to this investor meeting uh, with this guy that we were kind of under and then there's a bunch of I'm not saying this to be bad like to be mean or, or belittle or, or badger anyone of any nationality but like there were a bunch of Chinese investors this is in like 2012 okay okay so like if that's what's going on. And I said, hey, so, like, what are, what are they doing here? Like, who, like, what film company are they with? You know, because at the time there was early rumblings of, like, and we came, this came to be, too, and came to be completely true, where the Chinese government, right, a financial branch of theirs, also funded pieces and parts of Iron Man 3, right? Because it was, like, the first Disney movie, Marvel movie, whatever you want to call it, that, like, heavily catered to a Chinese audience. And do you remember, like, the Mandarin thing was a big, like, a big issue with fans of the comic book? It was. Okay, so that mandate and change for the character was made on behalf of the Chinese financing. Of course. Right. So when I'm at this meeting, I'm like, so what are they, what are they, like, what do they do here? Like, I'm just asking whatever, because I'm, I'm just seeing this for the first time myself. And he's like, oh, well, these guys, you know, some of them come to buy sports teams. Some of them are interested in buying the Clippers. And I'm thinking, like, I thought that, like, Don something racist guy was the owner of the Clippers. And they were like, no, no, no. Like, these well, people I, own, At that own. time he was, but yeah. Right. Yeah, you know. So for me, it was like, oh. And then they go, yeah, they buy up. And then a little bit after this, we get offered from a foreign investor, a couple of hundred thousand, if not close to a million to add on an animation wing to this company we were working in for a project we were pitching. Now, I don't know how anyone else was raised. I grew up in two very crazy neighborhoods uh, in Oxnard. And the funny thing is, is like the biggest thing for me as a minority is when you offer something for free, nothing is for free. Nothing. Especially if you grew up like in the hood somewhere, nothing is for free. Especially money, right? So I was like, yeah, so it was a very bumpy road to realize what that money does. And that money corrupted that entire facility, you know, where people lied to us about what studio wanted to meet. At one point, it was Sony. At one point, it was DreamWorks. These two guys we were under kind of shepherding us through, completely lied about days and times for meetings so that we'd miss them on purpose because they wanted us to keep finagling the concept to be more what they wanted so they could get more of a percentage. All this other crazy shit, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that to me is when I realized, like, I thought we were trying to make, like, a boondocks-ish, socially conscious, animated, epic movie. Right? Like, what is all this, like, all of a sudden, you're lying to me because money's involved. You know? Jealousy, man. Friggin' yeah. jealousy and all that other stuff. Once again, that corruption, man, it doesn't take much. I think me and Jack from um, Final Shift uh, said this before. Every person has their price. And as soon as something hits it, there and, it is. And sometimes people don't even have a price. Sometimes people have, like, all they need to hear is, like, the... Uh, they need to, like... <laughs> they need to hear, like, the average rounded-up price. Oh yeah, like, it's yeah. not it's not even theirs to get bought with yet, and they're and they're acting. They were acting like oh, uh, just really, really, really ugly, and um, that was like the beginning and the end of me wanting to be involved any of those things. I was like, dude, I have my connections. I can find work when I need to, and like, I rather just kind of honestly do my own thing completely because it got bad. It was very toxic, very gross. Um, and a company that could not see, like a lot of these studios, that the internet is your biggest competition. So with something like, going back to our Disney Plus conversation, you have this concept of like, your biggest competitor now that you're an app, right? If you're Disney and all your movies are on an app, it's like, what's the hottest YouTube video right now? That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, God forbid Meg The Stallion drops another music video, or Cardi B, or there's some beef or something, you know, or something crazy happens. You know, there's some crazy viral moment, some meme or something. Um, all your viewership for that week of that episode is gone because people's, you know, attention spans are there. Yeah, or woefully, you know? woefully bad. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I, that's, you know, that's another reality too. So kind of go back to what we're talking about, like when you're, you're making art for what you, I to me call podcast art. I think they're art. I think they should be, you know, oh, I think yeah, they should yeah, be. Definitely. Like, like I've, I even told you, like your, your podcast remind me of like one man shows like people just having like these expository funny kind of conversations with themselves. And I love that, you know, that's rare too. These things that aren't like murder mysteries or easy bankable content, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Hey man, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how it's, how it needs to be. And like, there's a lot of us, man. I mean, a lot of us talented individuals out here, and not even just yeah. by like, not even just by like born with the talent, but you know the things that we developed over the years and stuff. And it seems like mm-hmm. there's always something out there wanting to kibosh it. Like you know me, I hate gatekeepers. I don't like how people go, you know, be down on themselves when they're obviously mm-hmm. really good. Like, I don't like how people over here try to have a percentage over other people or think that you somehow work for them when you don't. You know what I mean? Right. Or, like, somebody thinks that you're taking from them. This is the internet. This is the open world here. All right? You're not taking from anybody. If you're not putting in the damn time for your stuff, but you're always going to act like, oh, I I don't see how things are growing on the analytics. If you got time to worry about analytics, you got time to make a good fucking episode. So, and I always say, like, shut the fuck up and knuckle down and do the work that we do. Because, you know, one of those gatekeepers, right? They They said, is podcasting dead? I was like, who the fuck are you to say is podcasting dead? Podcasting is one of the most thriving businesses on art forms out here. It, the, the industry is expected to grow by 3.8 billion from this to like what 
let's see, 2025 it's supposed to grow. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, how the fuck are you going to go ahead and say some shit like that unless you're starving for views? See what I'm saying? I think, yeah, I think what's interesting is, so on this old podcast that I did, the funniest thing was that people always got like wound up in like the overall, like the metrics you could see on Instagram, right? When you're, like, and let's be honest, like you're talking about, like if you know your platforms, these things are pieces of the pie of your total influence, right? Exactly. So we would use this thing called Sumall, which would give you like your actual complete, almost like Nielsen ratings of your episode. So it was amazing for me to see like without paying into promotion with anything, just making content that got people's attention, the 700,000 to 400,000 on average a week, you know, of a simple like 30 second Twitter drop, uh, you know, just something catchy. And that was just it. Like it was just enough to get people to the site. Like all these, all these platforms are marketing. So like you're saying, you're right. If somebody has time to sit there and worry about like individual analytics on one thing, then you don't understand what I, what you're really doing on these platforms. Like all these platforms are to get you to somewhere. And what I would say, like what you're saying is that established estimated growth for podcasting. What I think sports players and performers get tricked into is they think that like, if I go with the contract, and I'm on another platform, I'm better off, right? Mm. And I think one thing you have to realize is like every podcaster, and this is where I get my inspiration from my background in music publishing and starting that very young, and just kind of being able to see the industry that way, you know, and my biggest thing was I tell everyone, your version of publishing is your website. Like, you need to make that where everyone should go. Like it should be a, a, it should be like a, like a downward spiral effect. If I go to your site, I click on some stuff, it brings you back to your Instagram for one piece of specific content, then it brings me back to your website. Like there should not be a bunch of steps, right? Because like you're saying, we get tricked very easily into thinking that the we think that the internet is really only there. Like people are paying their internet data for streaming apps. And Instagram, when if you are on a browser, you can go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think podcasters need to realize that. Like, you can get silenced and shadow banned on Twitter. It happened to us, even in the midst of the 700,000 reach a week, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it happens. And you can't let it flinch. You can't, let, you can't flinch. You can't get scared. Just fucking stick with it. Make your site poppin', make it look sick, make it match your shit, make it match your vibe, make it as trippy as you want, right? Because that's that's like your piece of real estate. If you post on your website, you own your copyright. Like, that's yep. another thing, too, people don't understand. You know, that's why, like, even with the music stuff, I'm like, I'm, one of my last videos, I'm like, dude, I, I, I'll post demos on here, but, like, between the ass-shaking videos, you're going to see me or you're not going to see me on Instagram, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I am not shaking my ass. I'm, you know, I don't have an OnlyFans, and that's fine. That's not me, right? You know, I'm not some I'm not some trap type guy. I'm not here for hype. I'm not going to hit you with like the, 
Amsterdam sex worker hotel room look of like pink and purple and blue LEDs and lava lamps and shit. Most of the time I am working. I don't have time for all that shit. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so I can only give you the nuggets of content I can give you when I'm able to do it comfortably from like home. But if I'm working in a studio or I'm working on a project or I'm meeting with somebody, I am a hundred percent zeroed in on that. That's it. You know? And I, I think that's what you're saying too. It's like, when you're focused on making the content, the analytics will come regardless. And I see my I see my site analytics and I'm totally happy. Yeah. Like the same you know thing what? with Spreaker and all that stuff. I'm like the Hangouts episode is gonna land at ten PM on Friday, which it did. I did not say a damn thing about oh how many views I'm gonna get. Sometimes I get them no. on Saturday. Sometimes I get them on Sunday. Most yeah. times I get them on Monday. And you know, it's okay because that's what it was designed to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the like, whole point was yeah. you have to also have that promotional content. Like that's yeah. the thing too. Like if, you, if you're going to do it, have your other drops that support the content. Of course. You know, like figure out how you're going to do it that fits your personality the most. You know, for me over the last weekend, there was an actual pop-up event and I sent a bunch of shirts, like exclusive design shirts to this pop-up event. Um, for a vendor to just put out there. And I saw the analytics come back from that. And I got word back from the vendor that there is like demand for more sizes of this shirt. So it's like, that's my personality. I like knowing that. I supported a small business. This person was there grinding their ass off at five in the morning at this live pop-up event place, you know? And for me, it's like, here's what I can do. I can give you some dope merch. You can sell it. And, and my website and my Instagram QR codes are on the stickers. That's all I want right now. I'm trying to build awareness because that person's going to see some music. They're going to see some comedy stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to see the fact that on my site are links to you and Space Force and Lucifer. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the point. Like, that is the point. That is, like, my personality type. And that's how and I see grow. Yeah, and I see my eyes. Wix sends me all my shit. I get all my analytics. I see everything. And I'm very happy. Yeah. You know. And I think it's like to use to coin to use the coin phrase of like you don't want to be giving off like small dick energy when you're dealing with your own branding. Just hold tight with what you got. You know? Yeah. Like like that is the point. You're either making it for a purpose or you're not. And I think that's the hardest thing. Like, and it's easy to rack up followers when you're making just bland, dumb content. Like, it's easy, and it's not. It's nothing against them. That's just the way I word it. But like, I could make a page and recycle somebody's memes all day long, right? But if I were to ever do that, I already know my game plan and timeline. Of if I were to ever do that, my idea is to make merch for that brand off bat. Right, because if I recycle a bunch of TikToks, it'll get me a bunch of immediate couple of thousand views. But at the end of every one of those videos, I'm going to drop a shirt design. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Mm -hmm. that's how people should look at it. Like, why am I doing this? Is it for like my own little ego boost? Of oh, I got there are people who I I, another veterinarian I consulted with. She has thirty thousand followers and is broke. You know, over the break, because, like, most clinics were closed. People were hard on cash to take care of their pets. You know, when she was worried about not being able to find clients, 
And it's like, well, dude, you're on an app where pretty pictures get attention. What did you, what, where, where's the turnover? Like, what are you doing to entice them for the turnover? You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just shit like that. And I think you're right. Like, when you're too busy sitting there freaking about your analytics on one specific platform, you're missing a whole, a whole other thing. Like, you know, I mean, it should you got to knuckle down. And not only that, don't look for the quick and easy solution. Like, really put the time in for it. And you got to yeah. love what you do. Like, I, that's the number one thing, too. Like, all these other things that people always go on about. It's like, dude, I love being a filmmaker. I love media. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the way the business goes from time to time vexes me. But I love what I do. Yeah. So, that's yeah. my biggest thing is. It's not leaving LA wasn't even so much like me saying fuck it I'm done doing this. I I did more after that. For me yeah. it was more like I don't need the studio to do any of this. Like and that's what I would tell them is like dude you understand like I can work from my laptop from home. This was like 10 years ago. Like I don't need to be here. Yeah. Same with making music. Like you don't need to be in a giant studio. You just have to know what you're doing. And be willing to make yeah. mistakes learning because exactly not not everybody is like I'm sure that we talk you know we hear about historical figures like Beethoven Mozart or like people like um, Paul Mooney and and um, Bernie Mac you know like mm-hmm. they all had to start somewhere you know yeah and yep. like who's to say that the that that the the training phase isn't easy it's never going to be. But you got to be willing to make your peace with it. And the funny thing is, to add on to that, even in recent times, you look at somebody who stuck to their guns about their style and what they do. Even Dave Chappelle throughout 2020 got booed by certain people. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's fucking Dave Chappelle. Sticks and stones, like, man. Like, that whole thing. He, like, people were trying to get that pulled off of Netflix for the longest time. And he's probably thinking, like, fine, they already paid me for it. Get it pulled. I don't give a shit. Get it pulled. I'll sell the. I'll sell the DVD, and I'll make more money off of it. Money than he knows what to deal with. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and I'm always aiming for financial freedom because, well, that's the goal, man. It's not just about being Mm -hmm. rich. It's just about being free from all that stuff, and it can be done, especially if I play my card right. And I'll be out there in California with you and Moose and all that wild stuff. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, dude. I got it. Yeah, I got to link up with Eric too, man. I like crazy, crazy. Yeah. When you get out here, it's gonna be nuts. It's gonna be fun. Oh, it, it's gonna be wild, and I plan on doing um, content for J360 TV while I'm out there too. That'd be wild as hell. Yeah, yeah. So, like, sky's the limit, and if you really want to go for it, just do it. Like, I'll never understand people in that, but yeah, I do. Yeah, I do because they want that quick solution. Somebody went out there, made a YouTube video, managed to get monetized for all this amount of money, crazy money, and then they end up losing it after a while. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know? It was, I think the biggest thing we saw in 2022 was, like, uh, the idea that people who did, as like, and, like, to, to say, like, you could go out there and do the lazy thing where you could sit there and just make bankable reaction videos. Still. You know, and like, oh, there's another trailer for this, or I'm reacting to this funny little video here, and then like, but then what? 
Like, and that's always my thought. Like, but, but then what? Yeah. Like, and, and then, so you get 10,000 followers and then what? You know, like, and now it's 30,000 and then, and then what? Now what happens? You know, like, okay, so are you going to, are you doing something different with these reactions or we just, are we just like jerking around here? You know, are you just like stroking your ego to be like, oh, I got 50,000 followers now because I reacted to Loki season two trailer. You know, it's like, okay. And the saddest thing is, is some of those creators should realize that if they don't know what the flip for that is, the trick in studios letting people doing that, you know, and not claiming copyright on it, is because studios have realized that the disposable part of that video is the person reacting. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the other thing. Like, that's where, to me, I don't think podcasts are dead. I think politics killed. In 2020, I think politics killed what podcasts could have been in 2020. I think podcasts had the, the opportunity. And this is what I've noticed, too. I've gone back and looked at the numbers for, like, the last two episodes of the Wafflecast, and they've actually shot up because all the things we were talking about became relevant again this year, except this year, people have a different perspective on it, and now they're less triggered, right? Whatever that means. They're less upset by somebody actually making a legitimate joke, you know? Like, so now what you have is, like, those people don't know that they're, they're the disposable part. And I think what ends up happening is pop culture... I hope podcasters realize that podcasts aren't dead. The biggest thing, though, is you cannot hinge your content on somebody else's content. No, you cannot. You're either the star of the show, right, or you're not. Yep. You see what I'm saying? And see, a lot and of I people think, have that small name, big ego, man. And that, the funny thing is, though, too, it's really easy to cover the, the basic, typical content, get the following... But the second that that ideology falls out of favor and that narrative is over with, what happens to your content? Right? Yeah. That was the biggest... Yeah. That's why you saw people like Jeremy Jeremy, Jeremy Johns and stuff like that, like all those guys in 2020 were like having breakdowns and explanations of why they won't be uploading that much anymore in 2020 because they're like, there's just nothing to watch. I'm like, well, maybe because you're fucking disposable. Like, if you're sitting there going, oh, there's no movies out. I don't even know if I'm real anymore. Am I even real? Am I alive? Have I passed on? Am I in hell? Is this purgatory? Like, at that point, you have to realize, like, man, I should start trying harder. Yeah. And then, like, enjoy the journey. Yeah. Like, dig harder to find to make content. Like, dude, I had the most fun podcasting in 2020 because... The brilliance is with comedy, especially comedy is supposed to be the jester in the court, right? Yeah. Comedy is supposed to be pulling a pin on a grenade and holding on to the grenade. Exactly. And that to me is even down to music. I think that's where jazz kind of comes full circle for me too, is like, I loved the improv of it. Like, and podcasting isn't dead. It got boring. Like case in point, Anyone who's listening who's like a Joe Budden fan should take strong, strong note of the fact that, like, 
the reason why Joe Budden failed is because he didn't realize it takes no money to make a podcast. It's why they can project, like you're talking about, it's why they can project that podcasting revenue and evaluation can shoot up almost 300%. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, people are like, oh, if if I don't do this, you know, Matthew Santoro got in trouble because he, like, made a video about, like, how he can't make videos anymore because each video costs him $500 to produce. But Matthew Santoro has, like, a million followers. Okay, so could you imagine having a million followers and being too broke to produce a $500 video? No, I can't. I really See? can't. Thank you. If I was Matthew Santoro and I had a Patreon, all I would ask anybody for is 50 cents. 50 cents times a million people is how much money. Hmm? You know what I'm saying? Like, at that rate, how are you even broke? He yeah. can make a video with his phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that's why I was sitting there thinking, I was like, yeah. if you got, unless he doesn't have his own equipment or some shit, but still, everybody has a phone, and almost every phone has a camera. I, I, and with the way he is, he ain't using flip phones, but even if he did, you can still Dude. make a video from said flip phone. How Dude. are you broke? People are making YouTube videos while doing screen recordings of them doing like Photoshop Illustrator drawings and just like talking about current events. That's it is it. not it is not hard to do, man. Like it's not an impossibility. I mean, unless you're a rank amateur and you steal from other people to the point where it's like you don't have your own style, which right? oops, which happens all the time now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And see, that's one thing so to go back to you thing about gatekeepers, especially I would say podcasting also has that cesspool of faux gatekeepers. Oh, right? dude, they're like, everywhere. Oh, my God. So I, I remember at one point doing the podcast and riffing an entire bit at the end, right? And then a week later, a different podcast that just started following us at the time completely ripped off the bit. Oh, I know that show you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't even and, support that show anymore, dude. Like, cause I, I just realized how slimy those guys are. I was like, "Fuck this." I mean, that the kind of guys, right? That that they pretended to be feminist because they had like hookers, like literal hookers, on their show. Yeah, like they would scour Craigslist and find like a sex worker, and then just have her be like another guest host for an episode, like. That was the level of quality, and those people had 6,000 followers at the time or something like that. Like, you know, so the next episode after that, I just went after them. Do you, I don't know if you remember that. The following oh, yeah. episode, I just, the first 10 minutes was just me grinding how shit most podcasts are. They sound like shit. Uh-huh. They're, they're edited like shit, and it was just great. Then I was like, well, but Lucifer and Jay do a great job. <laughs> like, it was only two shout-outs were just you and Eric. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a and funny episode. It pissed off everybody. But with that was the fact that, like, no one expects that, you know. And I think that's where you're saying, too, like, you have to be stubborn in knowing what's good. Like, you have to know. I mean, it's, but, your, it's your work. I mean, nobody would know. Like, you couldn't tell me about J360 Productions outside of what I would already know because I built it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you would know, you would know. And then, like, I would like to hear that you like my show and stuff like that, and that's really cool, you know? Because I put a lot of work and effort into it, and I'm like, you see, 
the episode that we're listening to now will not sound like the first Hangouts episode. And I hope not because of progression and growth. Right. You should always be working on that improvement, but people don't even try to do that anymore, man. I think the, I think the level of expectation for everybody is different. You know, for me, like even working with music, what I have up right now are technically demos. I got questions from some people about like, Oh, these aren't finished. I'm like, well, not to me, but that's a final master pass when you have like a kind of a full project ready, you know, you go in and make sure everything kind of has like a similar sound, you know? Uh, I mean, in terms of like mastering and levels and quality control real quick. And then like, I also think too, like everyone has a different example of what they think their content should be, you know? So like podcast I did was like very much a radio show because that's what we wanted it to be like. Right. But yeah, it also let me really respect like, and, and super respect like what you do, which is, like going in like lone gunman making content like that has been a huge inspiration to see and listen to you know like even eric saying like with the with the jam sing like seeing the live chat on there and seeing 200 people on there just talking other musicians is like that's fucking crazy you know like so i think that's what i would even like you know would even tell anyone too is like it's your content is what you want to make it i think you have to realize is how to personalize it so like you said, gain a little, start yourself a pathway to that financial independence. Do, mm-hmm. But do something that matches you. Don't sell your asshole out early. You don't let people know that your fucking soul is for sale like that. You should just make your content. And those people will find it that register with it. You know what I mean? And it's a, it's a grind. Yeah, it's fucking... But if you love it, you love it. I mean... Yeah. I worked That's on right. edits until my eyes were dry and red, and then I realized it's 5 a.m. You know what I mean? And I haven't eaten in 12 hours. But I don't bitch about it. It's not something I'm going to sit there and complain about it. You oh, know? Yeah, because, never. yeah, I'm just like, I sleep better knowing that, like, hey, I'm done. I did that. You know? Yeah, as so. soon as that whole thing's rendered out, man, I mean, that's just, that's sleep time, man. That's just the way it yeah. is. And I think that goes for everything. I think it's like, you have to know what your mission is with whatever you're writing, whatever you're producing, whatever you're making. You know, mm-hmm. you have to know what kind of vibe you want it to have, what kind of like level of execution you want it to have. And some things are on purpose. You know what I mean? And some things are like kind of happy accidents the way you discover them in the process. That's it. You and I got a lot of stories to tell and a lot of teaming up to do in the future. I think so, sir. I think hey. so. Hey, before we head off, though, you want to tell everybody where your links are, where they can go ahead and find you and all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. If you want to find me, what I'm doing, and what is going on, you can go to awfulproductions.com, which is A-W-F-L productions.com. And from there, you'll be able to shoot straight to uh, Instagrams that are kind of the, like we talked about, the little outlets for what's happening. Um Links to collaborators like you, um, Lucifer Space Force, and like supported brands that I work with, and check out what I've worked on and a little about me. And then, if anybody else who listens to this is a creative and wants to link up, that's open to that too. And I know Jay is, so that's what these are for. Building what Jay calls is the tribe, which I'm down with. So yeah, that's really about it. Awesome stuff, Marco. We will team up again. Absolutely, enough. absolutely. And you take care of yourself, my man. All right. For sure, man. You too. 
And as for everybody in the J360 Legion, this is it for the Hangouts right now. We will have another Hangouts episode featuring Resin Sun happening this week as well. This is part of a double special. This is J-Man signing off. I will catch you all later. Peace.